Hey, Talking Church, excited to share a unique episode with you today. A couple weeks ago, we had River Valley Conference up here in Minneapolis, and we had hundreds and hundreds of pastors that came in from all over the world. And with travel costs as expensive as they are, we were very, very grateful that they decided to join us for a few days. And at the conference, we had a number of amazing speakers and breakout sessions. And I wanted to share this breakout session with you that Pastor Kirk Graham did. And he was on the podcast. Uh, he's been on the podcast a couple times before, so maybe you guys have got to know him a little bit, but he taught a breakout called What It's Like to Be On. And he actually taught this at our staff meeting a few months ago. And so I asked him, could you teach that at conference? Because I thought it was that good. And I want you guys to be able to hear it as well. He talks about the idea that in ministry, it's really it's really not an idea, it's a life, that we're always on. God has called us to be on for people, to serve people, to take care of people. And at times when you're in your community, when you show up to church, when you're talking to someone that's a neighbor. You have to be on in ministry. And uh, Kirk lives this out so well. And so I wanted you to hear this breakout about what it's like to be on. And also wanted to let you know that next week we'll be jumping back into the interview format to hear from Chris Hodges. I had the chance to sit down with him while he was speaking at conference. And we had a great, great interview. And so I know you're going to get a lot out of that. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, that's already out or you've listened already. Uh, but that is something you don't want to miss either. But I don't want to take any more time away from this. And so enjoy this breakout from Kirk Graham, what it's like to be on. We've been on staff here for just over 11 years, and it's been the adventure of a lifetime. And I started as a worship pastor here and rotating campuses and for a season looked after our marketing and design departments. And then young adults was a young adult pastor. And then my wife and I about seven years ago started the Minneapolis campus, which is now the city campus, which we love. And the last three and a half years, we have been here as campus pastors at Apple Valley and, uh, along with looking after Apple Valley, I have the privilege to look after our campus pastors. And so that's a little bit about me and uh, why, you know, why uh, the context of what I'm about to share. I was able to share this with our staff a few months back and feel like it, it is really valuable as uh, Pastor Logan, Pastor Lindsay asked me to share on this topic that it could benefit other churches as well. What does it mean to be on? I'm a pastor's kid. My parents are right here. Mom and dad, love you. Oh my goodness. Uh, but I, I had parents that lived this out uh, for decades, what it means to be on in ministry, on and ready for people. What it, here, here's just quick definition uh, or, or how I think about being on. It is the energy and the readiness for people. It is the energy and the ready. Are you ready for people? Every single person has an on and off switch. This is for you, but also take, you're, you're welcome to take this back to your leaders, your staff, your interns, your uh, volunteers, everybody that's helping build the church. Every person has an on and off switch and uh, want to be able to talk about that. You in ministry need to be able to flip the switch on. Think about the amount of energy it would have taken to, operate as a leader or volunteer or, or, or pastor in the early church. I love to read in the book of Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And this is, this is the energy. That, just think about, put yourself in, in these shoes over 2,000 years ago. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all believed, were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing uh, the proceeds to all 
as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Man, day by day. Think about that. Like, man, I got, I got three services this weekend and we got Wednesday night church and there's, you know, people coming over. Like, they might have some people over to my house uh, a couple times this week. There's a lot. Of, well, in the early church, it's, it, they're doing this every day. Day by day by day by day, not just three services. This is every single day devoting themselves to attending the temple and breaking bread in their homes. And uh, man, I got small group tonight. Well, they had small group every night. They're breaking bread every night. And you, we all know the people in our churches that they're the shining example of what we love. People that serve every single week. Tim Johnson is our usher lead right here. I honor you, Tim. Thank you for all that you do. He's taken vacation time to come and be at this conference and to learn and to lean in. And he's one of our great leaders, pillars here at this campus, leading all of our usher teams for all of our services for every single week of the month. And so we love you, Tim Johnson. Tim Johnson is a shining example. You have that person in your church. It's like this person's living it out. In ministry, we, it takes energy. You got to be ready to pour out energy. Let me finish the scripture and then I'll, then I'll uh, digress and get into the teaching. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Are you somebody that would be like viewed as glad and generous? And this is what we teach our teams. Do people, when you are on, when, when, it is, uh, when, when it's weekend services or when it's small group time or when it's midweek ministry, do people look at you and say, that is a glad and generous person just by the countenance? What do you look like? People that are coming to church uh, that, that do not know Jesus, they're looking at you, somebody here maybe with a lanyard on or somebody that stepped on a, a platform and led worship or gave announcements or received an offering or did an altar call. They're looking at you as though you know Jesus Christ. And do you look like somebody that is glad, full of the joy of the Lord, the oil of gladness, and with a generous heart? Is that who you are? Praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We know that scripture. Defining on is ready to be with people, number one. Uh, Every interaction has the potential to be a God interaction, a God encounter. When, when, when we are on, we think, we, we're thinking through the lens that, that I'm a leader, whether I like it or not, doesn't mean I need to be the, the uh, highest on the totem pole, doesn't mean I need to be paid the most, doesn't mean I need to lead the meeting, doesn't mean I need to talk the most, doesn't mean I need to make a decision, but we were trained as children that no matter where you go, too bad whether you like it or not, because of what is on your life, you're a leader. And so we think about the lens of in ministry, we're a leader and we are ready to be with people. It's not fair, too bad. God put it on your life, I'm sorry. He called you, not me. You didn't choose this, God chose it for you. Be ready to be with people. Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. That's a picture of being ready for people. It's not about me and my comfort. We don't take the closest parking spots to the building. We park in the back so that the single mom gets the close spot. We're ready for people. This is not about my own interest. This is about the interests of others. This is what it means to be ready for people. It's just one example. Second thing of defining what on looks like in the context of River Valley Church, what I believe it should look like in ministry, is ready to give people your best self. 
So not just I'm ready for people and to pour out some energy, but I'm ready to give people my best self. It's not gonna be a mediocre version. And sometimes giving people your best self is decisions you make on Friday night to be ready to give your best self on Sunday morning. And we make mature decisions being ready to give people our best self. Matthew 22 through uh, 37 through 39. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great first commandment. The second, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And we love meeting people that are interested in us. We love people that are, uh, uh, um, we're gonna get into what does it mean to be on, not just in the definition, but what does an on person look like? What do they act like? What are the things they're doing? They're, they're initiating. We love when people initiate with us. When we're on in ministry, we're ready to initiate with people. We don't come to church waiting for people to, to come talk to us. We're here as leaders and not just as a pastor on staff, but every single person that would call themselves a leader in your church, a volunteer, an intern, a ministry leader, a pastor, somebody on staff, everybody. Godly love means godly love means having an outgoing concern and an unselfish, genuine interest in people. Is that you? I've got an I, I love that phrase. It's an outgoing concern. Giving people my best self is it's something that is coming out of me. You're spending yourself. You're giving yourself. This is the generous heart that we're talking about. Are you ready to give people your best self? And number three, defining on is, is ready to bring lift to an individual or the entire room. I'm, I'm ready. No matter where it is, I'm ready. What means if I'm on, I'm ready to bring lift to an individual or in leading a moment in the entire room. If that's, it could be on a platform like this, but it could be, uh, you know, we do these team rallies that are before our services. This could be uh, in a small group setting. This could be in a one-on-one -on -one meeting. This could be every, every time we're interacting with people that we're gonna minister to, we're ready to bring lift. One of the, the leadership values of our church is to speak life and bring lift. That's who we are. We're gonna speak life and bring lift. And that's what it looks like to be on. So defining, ready to be with people, ready to give people our best self, ready to bring lift to an individual or the entire room. Now I wanna talk about how, you were, how God wired you uniquely. Because sometimes at River Valley Church, um, I think, uh, and I think we're getting better at this, but I think this could be a place that celebrates uh, or elevates the extroverts. And then the introverts are the ones that like really get the work done, but they're the behind the scenes people and they're, they're you know, they, they don't get celebrated as much. We need to celebrate all wirings all wiring. If you're introverted, if you're extroverted, whatever that spectrum is, if, if, if you get energy by being with people and you just come every, every morning, you wake up and you're like, whoa, you're extroverted. Or every morning you're like, man, if I could just be alone all day, that would like really help me. <laughs> no matter how you're wired, if you're called by God to be in ministry, you can be in ministry. You can do this. Every person, no matter your wiring in regards to extroversion or introversion, how you get, how you gain, regain energy, can, you can be in ministry successfully for the long term. Uh, this is true. If you are introverted, if you're introverted, being in ministry will cost you more. 
if you are wired as an introvert, being in ministry, which is all about people, will cost you more than the extrovert. I leave a full day of meetings and being with people and I come home to my wife and say, what are we doing tonight? Let's go do something. Because for me to regain energy after a long day of being with people is to get around more people. For me. For my wife, as she spends it, she goes, we're going to stay at home today. Like we're going to just be in. We're going to recharge this way. So as an introvert, I, I grew up in my family right here. There's six of us. I got four, three siblings, two parents. I am one of six that is, uh, sorry, I got to say it differently. Five of six are introverts. And I'm the extrovert. <laughs> and I say that to say, I, I've seen uh, all, all of my siblings are pastors. So who should lead a breakout session next is my parents. All of my siblings are pastors. My parents have been pastors. And I've seen my parents as introverts for decades live a healthy life and what it means to pour themselves out for people, to have the energy to give their best self for people and to, in a healthy way, find how they need to recharge and regain their energy. If you're extroverted or introverted, you have the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to be in ministry for the rest of your life. It is possible to live a healthy way, but if you are introverted, it will cost you more. Even, Je even Jesus got weary in his physical body here on earth. Even he got weary. In John chapter four, we see the woman at the well, and, the, and I'll read in verse six and seven. Jacob's well was there. Jesus walks up. We know the story. Wearied as he was from his journey, which is just weird to, to see and read the son of God weary from his journey. He was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus gave, uh, said to her, uh, give me a drink. We know the interaction. Her, she's totally transformed by one encounter with Jesus. And the disciples had gone into Samaria to go get some food for Jesus. He was weary and so for themselves and Jesus. They finally come back after, this, after we read this interaction, which is the longest interaction, one-on-one -on -one interaction that we see in the New Testament, Jesus and anybody else, which is just incredible. It's an incredible story. The disciples come back with food and they say, uh, Jesus, we, we got you food. And he goes, I got food you know nothing about. And sometimes we say, man, I'm just so exhausted. From, I'm just so exhausted from pouring it out. I just, I'm just so tired. You know, I, can't, like, I feel like the on switch is always on. I just, I'm, I just can't pour it out. If you are doing the Father's will, you are gaining energy by doing what you're called to do. It is tiring. I get it. It's tiring. We have a, uh, you know, we're praying for a family right now. A uh, guy part of our church gets in a motorcycle accident two weeks ago, loses his arm. He's alive. Praise God. But you get that phone call and it does take energy. It takes energy to, to, to get the phone call, to call the family, to call the son, to pray for. Can I get to the hospital? Even though we've got dinner plans and we're meeting with another family in the church, that takes energy. But as I know, this is what I was made to do. It takes energy. This is difficult. This is, I'm, I'm going to, I'm about to pour it out. This is crisis care ministry. This, but this is what I was made to do. All of a sudden, as I remember that, I'm reminded the Holy Spirit goes like, this is food. This is food. This is what I was made to do in ministry. We were made to pour it out. Instead of focusing on how exhausted we are in ministry, let's find healthy rhythms as we live it out day, day by day, week by week. Let's have healthy rhythms. But when the time comes that there's crisis care or that it's time for you to pour it out, when you go to Target and you're like, I hope I don't see anybody while I'm grocery shopping. And then they're like, hey, Pastor Kirk, what's up? 
The Holy Spirit, every time, will give you the energy you need to pour it out. It's the will of the Father. He will do it. He will do it. I believe it. Three types of leaders in the context of being on. Uh, the off leader. So there are leaders in ministry and they cannot flip the switch. And they need to be trained up, coached up. They need to be set free. They need to get their sideways spirit upright. They need health. They need vibrancy. They need vision. They need, and you as a leader are called to give it to them. Help them flip the switch on. Help them realize. And it doesn't mean they have to look like you. As, as we're coaching somebody, hey, this is what it looks like to be on. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to be me. You don't have to be as loud as me. You don't have to talk as much to me. You don't have to interact the way that I do. You don't have to dress like me. You don't have to walk around going, woo, like me. You don't have to do that. You get to be you, but you do have to find what is your on switch. What does it mean to give people your best self and to when you come to church and church could be in your living room with a small group, but when you are ready to pour it out, you have to flip on. And we teach our people that it is not on when you, when you grab a microphone and step on the stage and now I'm on. Whoop, I was ignoring all the people before this moment, but now I'm gonna give them the word of the Lord. Right? No, no, no. On as you drive in the parking lot. And as you park your car, on means I'm going to notice the trash that I walk by from my car to the building, and I will bring it in and throw it in the garbage. That is my best self. I'm ready to make this place better with people and with our facilities, our environment. We need to coach up the off, the off leader. They just need help finding their on switch. And they need ministry described to them in not a victim mentality way. They need, a, they need ministry described to them. This is not about putting family at odds. This is not about like, oh, get ready to get exhausted. Get ready, get, get ready. There's nothing, you know, there's a weight on ministry that there's not on anything else. Listen, some, sometimes that's true. Ministry is like nothing else. Being called to be, to, uh, to be a pastor in the church of Jesus Christ is like nothing else. But it is the greatest adventure you could ever go on. It's the most thrilling thing. It is, it is the, it's the most extraordinary thing. It's being used way. You're, you are in over your head. You better be because God called you to it. He's not going to call you something that you can do in your own natural strength. He's going to call you to do something in your supernatural strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing else like it, but it is not victim mentality. My wife and I, we do not put ministry and our family at odds. We are a family in ministry. And so we have rhythms. We have seasons. We know that this season, we are going to pour it out all week long for the conference, for the last weekend, for the generosity accelerator. We're here to pour it out. I might see my kids a little bit less, but you better believe I know when I'm seeing my kids and they know when they're going to see me and I'm going to tuck them in and I'm going to race back here. And we're going to, we are a family in ministry doing this together. This is not victim mentality on. You can be on and you can view ministry as a celebratory thing. It's an amazing thing. So there are young pastors, young leaders that need that type of framing. This is the greatest thing that they could do with their entire life. And God called them to it. Second type of person is the always on leader. So we've got the off leader that doesn't know how to turn on. Then you've got the always on leader that cannot turn off. And they are going to burn themselves out. And when they get the phone call 
about a motorcycle accident because they were screwing around when they didn't need to spend their energy. They do not have the energy to manage and pastor the crisis. And so we need to, more than time management, we need to be really good at energy management. And it's harder for the extrovert than it is for the introvert. So if you're, we all know the young, let's call him youth pastor, that just is, it just can't turn off. It's just like always, like, and we love that because they can, they, we love, we love when they are on and they need to be on, they're, they're spending their energy and they're rallying people and it's joy filled and it's jokes and it's laughing and this is fun. But then when they don't need to be doing that and they're up way late on a Saturday night and then on Sunday, they're like, they're late or they're, they're yawning or they're not able to give of themselves when they need to. That's the always on leader. So we want to not be the off leader that can't find it. Got to find the gear. Got to find the switch. We also don't want to be the always on leader. We want to be the appropriately on leader so that we can do this week in, week out, year in, year out, decade in, decade out. So I'm going to move quick. The appropriate on leader knows how to self-start, when to turn on, parking lot to parking lot, and in target. The appropriately on leader knows how to self-regulate or self-modulate. To what level do I need to be on? What does this moment require of me? Sometimes this moment, here's a practical example in worship as a campus pastor. If if the, if, the can, if, if the congregation is responding in worship very, very well, and this is our worship pastor right here, Pastor Ben Cruz, we love you. Does a great job. Make some noise for Ben Cruz. Love you. And has done a great job leading at conference here. But as he's leading and the congregation is responding, it feels like, whoa, there's, there's a ton of energy in the room. And I might be closing out worship and, and we're gonna pray for some needs. Sometimes I'll, I'll think, what does this moment need? The, the congregation has got where they, they got where they needed to go and now we're gonna pray. And so sometimes intentionally I'll come in with a lower energy because we've been going hard for the last 13 minutes. You know, the first song, people clapping and then, and then the, the last three was like, it's like we got there. And so I'll come in and, and come in and just feel it, you know? Bring it down. What, is it, what does the moment need? There are other times where worship, it's like, man, I don't know that we got there. And I'll come in with a different energy saying, come on, let's give him praise. Come on, let's expect more. Let's believe more. He's going to do it right now. Like big faith and knowing uh, uh, an appropriately on leader knows how to self-regulate and modulate. What does this moment need? It's not just platform moments. It's, it's, it's earlier this morning, a lady, somebody, uh, a part of our church drives up and she has a marriage crisis. She goes, I didn't know that you guys had like something going on. And oh, I didn't tell her like, hey, if you could come back tomorrow when the conference is over, then we'll, no, we, what does this moment need from me? The conference doesn't need me right now. She needs me. And I'm gonna get her some resources and I'm gonna pray for her and her marriage and then we're going to make sure that she can get a t- time to meet or she knows now a counselor to connect with. And like we get her the resources she needs. What does the moment need? Does that make sense? 
Third thing, appropriately on leader, self-charges. It's not your leader's problem. It's not your organization's problem to make sure that you stay charged up, to make sure that you stay healthy. There are abusive environments that you, you need to, like, like Pastor Rob taught, like you need to ask the Lord for the release. Ask the Lord for the release. But in most environments, you might be in an environment that's fast-paced. We are at River Valley. We are in a fast, fast-paced environment. But it's not Pastor Rob's problem to make sure that I self-charge, that I get filled up, that I spend my time with the Lord, that I go to bed on time, that I eat well, that I wake up and, and I'm with the Lord and then I'm ready to go. It's my, that's my job to do. I need to do that. And we know that the Holy Spirit is active in recharging us as well, as we're intentional. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Appropriately on leader knows how to self-start, self-regulate, self-charge. And then here's some, here's some attributes. Just real quick. How much time we got, Pastor Lulu? Five minutes. Okay, real quick. Here's six different uh, I words just because I'm a pastor and I'm going to do that. An on leader, number one, inspires. Inspires. Are you an inspirational person? The people that come around you, are you inspirational? We, as inspirational leaders, bring our own weather. We don't read the weather report. We bring our own weather. The, appro uh, the appropriately on leader, as an inspirational person, we do not read the temperature of the room. We set it. Sometimes, sometimes the best way to set the temperature is to be the first one there. And the last one to leave. Sometimes you can delegate and you can raise up people that are inspirational, that are incredible, that are going to carry the culture so that maybe you don't have as long of days and you get to be that type of leader. That's fine. But I have no problem as a campus pastor meeting with interns at 730. We get coffee together. We wake up together. So we're going to wake up together. There's not a lot. It's a, it, that's not even on time. We're waking up together and we roll into the parking lot at 8 a.m. together. And by the time we're rolling in, we're on. We're on. And so from 7.30, as a campus pastor, 7.30 until 1.30, I'm not leaving this building on Sundays like we're, like we're here. Because I know that I'm setting the temperature. I'm bringing the weather report for the day. We as pastors should not leave service and go, Phew, man, that was just a... That was just a, kind of a down service. What were you doing as the leader? Here's our weather or our temperature at River Valley. We are life-giving, victorious, passionate, glass half full with free refills, best is yet to come, full of faith, believing, celebratory, speaking life, and bringing lift. Second I word is investigates. The on leader investigates, constantly investigating. How are we doing? Like Pastor Chris Hodges said, how's the atmosphere feeling? How's this service going? How's this small group going? How are the people responding? What can be better? What can improve next week? What, uh, what needs to improve next week? What needs to improve next service? 
What needs to improve right now? You as a leader need to be able to differentiate what, what is a next week deal, what's a next service deal, and what's a right now emergency deal that we need to make better. Investigate, investigate constantly. How are we doing? How are things going? Investigating the parking lot. I already said it. Walking through. Like, uh, the, I, I love picking up trash. Not because I love picking up trash, but I love setting an example that I'm not above picking up trash and that I'm investigating. I'm investigating. How is the environment? Do I care about this place? I'm an owner of this place. It's not my church, but God asked me to be here and to help steward for this time. Number three, oh, by the way, investigation takes gift of discernment. Pray for that. I need a gift of discernment. What's happening? What's the spirit doing? What's, what's this interaction? This person that walks up and, you know, drives up in the parking lot and, and, and is distraught, you need discernment. What does this need? Third one is initiate. The on leader initiates. I talked about it earlier. We do not wait for people to talk to us. We are not the important people that people line up for to meet with us, to talk to us. We initiate. We go after. We seek out. We are searching. We are looking. This is Luke chapter 15. If that's what God did for us while we were lost, that's what we're going to do for people that are coming into our church buildings, new people that come into our small groups. Out, like we, We're constantly looking. I, I, I walk into a restaurant and go, does, it, does anybody go to church here? Do I know any, anybody here? I'm, I'm I'm searching, I'm on, I'm, I'm, re I'm ready to minister. Don't wait for people to talk to you. Don't miss people broadly and don't meet, miss people individually. Hospitality, hospitality says, instead of saying, what are you doing here? Hospitality says, we've been waiting for you. And so we teach our our staff, the reason we do, our, we do an intern rally and the reason we go to Starbucks is because as staff, we're going to host the interns. The, the interns then set up to host the volunteers and the volunteers then set up to host our congregation. And all the way through, we've been waiting for you. I sit at Starbucks and I'm the first one there. Every intern that comes in, I've been waiting for you. And then they say to the volunteers, we've been waiting for you. Volunteers say to every newcomer coming to church, we've been waiting for you. Not late. Thanks, Tim Johnson. Ask questions about people. Offer to pray for people. Uh, another way to initiate, even in worship, I think about this. I was a worship leader, uh, but I am a worship leader. As a campus pastor, uh, Ben Cruz and I, we're leading worship together. I'm just doing it from the front row. And so when everybody's putting their hands down, I put my hands up. When everybody puts their hands up, I start clapping. I'm, I'm ahead of everybody. I'm, I'm leading, leaders lead. I'm going first. I'm, I, I'm leading it. He knows this. I'm singing louder than anybody in the whole room. I'm, I, it's, it's a way to initiate. It's longer than five minutes, Lulu, sorry. Okay, number four. The on leader interprets, interprets. In our context, I have to interpret what is the mission, vision, values of our church. And I have to be an interpreter of what that is to any context. 
Our kids' pastors need to be able to interpret the mission, vision, values, the culture of our church and interpret it to the four-year-old, the seven-year-old, the youth pastors to the 13-year-old, the 17-year-old. We have to interpret, we have to be interpreters to be able to get, Take, take maybe complex things like Pastor Chris said and make, simplify them. I'm an on leader. I'm ready to interpret. They don't have to catch up speed to me. Hey, we're, we're, you know, we're going to spend time in prayer right now. Here's what we believe about prayer. That's interpretation. So before we pray, I'm giving context. Context is good for the believer and the unbeliever. The unbeliever, because they have no clue what we're talking about. The believer, because they say, if they're going to give context every week like this, I already know this. Why, are they, why do they keep doing that? And the light bulb switches. They're going to do it for the neighbor that I'm going to invite next week. And it's more comfortable for them to start inviting people. I need to be a good interpreter. Number five, we are indoctrinators. Our children's ministry is not childcare. It's indoctrination, biblical indoctrination. Everybody else is doing it. We're going to do it with the truth. So the on leader, we are going to indoctrinate. We are disciples making disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. We're not just a club. We're not just a, hey, anybody can come to church, but they're going to know what we believe. Anybody's welcome here. It used to just be anybody's welcome here. And let's not really get into the hot topic stuff, uh, you know, because we, we want the numbers. We want the people. Here. Like if they just, no, you know, they, they just love being, I love the music. I love, I love the music. And if one, if there was a good thing that came out of the last two years is we had to stand up for some stuff. And we're going to have to stand up for some stuff. And we lost some people that go, oh, I've been loving this church, but I didn't realize that's what you believed about that or that's what the Bible said about that. And I'm out. It's okay. We're indoctrinators. So we're going to preach the truth. We're going to stand up for some stuff and we're going to be disciples making disciples. Can I get an amen? Woo. And there's no venom in what I just said. There's no venom. There is, there is truth in love. And the last thing is imparts. The on leader imparts. Way beyond inspiration. We need to be leaders that are ready to pass off any spiritual anointing or, or mantle onto the next person. We need to be ready to impart. There's impartation opportunities that, that are coming up left and right all day long throughout all of your services, throughout all of your staff meetings, throughout all of your... There's, there's, there's opportunity for you to pass off onto the next person. And I'm so grateful to have parents and to have great leaders that have imparted things into me, moments that have happened in my life that have changed my life forever and ever and ever. And I can hear my parents pray in the spirit. I know what it sounds like. Because I, that was, there's an impartation of growing up hearing spirit-filled parents pray and how they would pray for others, how they would minister to others and what happened in watching them and their intentionality that was imparted into me. And now I am called to impart into others. We, we, we are on leaders, not just to inspire and then have them go live their life, but to say, whether you like it or not, because you got in this environment, something rubbed off on you. And they leave forever change. We're going to impart. We're going to transition into questions. But is it okay if I just pray right now that this would be so stirred up in our spirit and in our soul that, that it, it, this is an impartation right now. Lord, we thank you.
for the call of God that is on every person's life here to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that it is a privilege and it is a joy. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will give us the energy to be appropriately on for all people that may come in front of us. Lord, we thank you that Jesus Christ set the example, never turning somebody away. And I pray that we wouldn't turn people away in our ministry either that we would have Holy Spirit energy to pour it out, to minister, to impart, to indoctrinate, to inspire, to inspect, to investigate, Lord, all of these things, Lord, that we would be on, ready to be the leaders, to live up to the call of God that is on our life, like the word says. We're gonna live up to the call of God that is on our life. So Lord, let us take it, let us live it out, and let us, pass it on to the people that we have the privilege to look after. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.